This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals get back to practice this morning in Arlington. A whole lot of defensemen in the fold, and the Buffalo Sabres lose again. And this time, they lose a goalie, too. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, March 23rd. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. Then, as the Capitals get back to practice this morning, let's start with a couple of days of rest and relaxation, getting ready for what would be a very busy stretch coming up. But all eyes this morning on whether Lars Eller is back and skating with the team. We saw it at the end of last week. We were hopeful we might see him against the Rangers. We did not. And now with this extended time off, I hope as he starts to get in a regular fold here in the next couple of days and able to go against the Devils on Thursday. That's just it. You hope they're able to take advantage of the extra days that it works to his benefit. I wonder, John, if maybe he was potentially, I don't know this, but maybe if he was close to returning on Saturday, the thought was, let's just be a little extra cautious here. Such a valuable piece to the lineup rather than rush him back for Saturday against the Rangers. Let's look at what's on the other side of this. If he doesn't play against the Rangers, he gets another four, five days before we have a game again. Maybe you take advantage of that in the schedule, but no question, uh, all eyes on him coming up at practice this morning. And the fact there are two full days of practice, it's not often they have this, right? A lot of times players are coming back from injuries and boom, it's a morning skate and back in the lineup. Two full days of practice here and then a morning skate as well on Thursday. So uh, an opportunity for, for Eller to potentially get his legs back under him if he's able to return as soon as Thursday, which would certainly be a, a much welcome boost to the lineup. You and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but drilling down a little bit more on the signing of Trevor Van Riemsdyk and what it may mean moving forward. The Capitals have a lot of guys, as you noted yesterday, under contract. You've got John Carlson five more years after this, $8 million there. Dmitry Orlov's got two more after this. Brendan Dillon has three more. Nick Jensen, two more. Van Riemsdyk now with two more. You've got Schultz, who is back next year. You do have to figure out what you're doing with Jonas Siegenthaler at the end of the year. He's going to be an RFA. And then you've got some other question marks, like what's going on with Michael Kepney? Will he be able to return to the fold? Does Zdeno Chara come back? Martin Farabari is standing there waiting for a seat at the table at some point. I got to thinking about what you said, and... There are a lot of D-men here. Uh, I like the fact that Trevor Van Riemsdyk is back. I do. I think he has great value to this team. He strikes me as a perfect number seven. He can come in and spell you. I think they're still going to need him at some point uh, in the playoffs if they go far enough. But there's no question there's a lot of guys here, and there's certainly some guys that if you add up the maybes, you get to double digits here pretty quickly. Yeah, certainly uh, on the one hand, a good problem to have defensive depth. A lot of teams would line up for the type of depth that the Capitals have, especially those teams looking to make deep postseason runs. That being said, you do wonder if this is maybe a move that's being done with thoughts of what's potentially ahead. Is this part of a domino or chain reaction here? There is an expansion draft coming up this summer, of course. You're eligible to protect as many as three defensemen. If you go the traditional, I think it's seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie that you could protect. And if you protect three defensemen, are you thinking in your mind? Are you potentially losing one? Do you make a deal along those lines with an expansion draft being kept in mind? Are other teams going to be lining up to acquire defensemen? Is this an asset that's being kept in-house? And Trevor Van Riemsdyk, with the thought that, hey, maybe one of those names you mentioned earlier, John, potentially maybe won't be here uh, down the line. So you've got some moving parts, certainly, but 
you've got a lot of guys now, to your point, that signed on one-way deals and not only signed on one-way deals, but signed on one-way deals now for multiple years still beyond this season. I think the only defenseman, again, I'm doing this at the top of my head, the only defenseman signed one-way just for next year would be Kempney. I think all the others you mentioned, and, and you mentioned the years, Carlson, Dylan, Jensen, Orlov. Uh, oh, Schultz has one year. But point being, you've got quite a few that will be multi-year still on one-way deals. And I wonder with Siegenthaler especially on a one-way deal, if, if you bring him back as an RFA, it's just a, it, it's a lot and you could only dress six of them at night. So it'll be interesting to see if there are other dominoes that fall as a result. Yeah, I wonder too. I mean, with Seattle coming, I mean, you want to brace for impact because you know you're losing somebody. And on defense, it's so hard to come up with defensemen. The Capitals, seemingly under Brian McClellan, done an awfully good job of stockpiling guys. Uh, see what happens as we move forward. I call this the uh oh department. Edmonton and Montreal last night wiped out due to players for the Canadians entering COVID protocol. And Benny, the part of this that bothered me a little bit. Some ominous wording at the end of a statement from the NHL. The league will provide a further update later today. I don't like hearing things like that, but hopefully everything's okay with those teams there. The Canadian teams largely have been Mm -hmm. okay so far. It's been the U.S.-based teams that have had trouble. This raises an eyebrow a little bit. First one, first one at all in Canada that's been postponed as a result of COVID issues and when the announcement was made just after five o'clock in the five o'clock hour last night, the Canadians at that point had only two players officially on the COVID list, but we know how these things tend to work. We've seen it with other teams. The Devils and Sabres were the extreme examples, but it starts with one or two players. And then inevitably a day or two later, several others start to join the list. So don't want to look too far ahead here, but obviously it's a, it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty tense. I imagine 24 hours up in Montreal, not only as far as they're concerned, but as far as opponents and teams that they would have just played that kind of thing. But yeah, it is a rarity up there. To, to their credit, up in Canada, up in the North Division, they've all passed with flying colors. They've all handled themselves very well, avoiding any postponements until uh, this point now. Situation we'll be keeping an eye on today, no doubt. Travis Boyd was claimed <laughs> by the Vancouver Canucks. That makes four former Washington Capitals that now call <laughs> British Columbia home after Toronto put them on waivers. Boyd gets claimed. Boyd, Schmidt, Beagle, and Holtby on what Tom Galitti called yesterday the Vancouver Capnucks, which I yep. like very much. <laughs> yep, Vancouver Canucks, uh, the Capitals West, and it's funny because they're all they're all kind of the, the, they're they're all fan favorites. They all had very good experiences to different extents. Travis Boyd's stay in Washington was was wasn't as long as the others, of course, but he was a he was a foot soldier. He was a mainstay in the organization. Put a lot of time into this organization, nine or ten years total, from the time he was drafted and and worked his way through the college ranks in AHL Hershey, but. Yeah, a lot of familiar faces there for the Vancouver Canucks. The thing is, though, uh, and and by the way, Travis Boyd showed himself well in Toronto. This was a move that Toronto, they took a risk. They they put him on waivers. They wanted to save a few shekels salary cap-wise and bank a few dollars in that regard. And from reading the stories up there, they understood it was going to be a risk putting him on waivers and hoping that he would go on claims. They could tuck him away on the taxi squad. They pulled that earlier this season. Toronto did successfully. With Jason Spezza, Boyd, it's a different story. He gets claimed. He had played well on a fourth line in Toronto. The thing is, though, and and you know, Travis Boyd is is defensively responsible. 
But to what extent is he going to help the Vancouver Canucks keep the puck out of the net? Because that's their big, that's the big story with Vancouver. The big Achilles heel for them all season long is they could score goals. Question is, can they keep them out of the net? And it's been uh, an on again, off again issue for, uh, for a Vancouver team that yes, has plenty of Capitals connections now up to four with the uh, acquisition of Boyd. Yeah, maybe Boyd can play defense. Maybe we'll exactly. find out. Yeah. And Mika's advantage for the faceoff. Faceoff wins advantage. Fox moving with it. Panarin. In front score! Chris Kreider! It's a power play goal! And the Rangers lead 2-1! to one. All right, that's Sam Rosen on the call. Always glad to hear his calls at any point. MSG last night. Chris Kreider with a goal. And the Rangers, yeah, they win 5-3. to three. But Carter Hutton, Ben, leaving with what appeared to be a left leg injury, just 2.53 into the game last night. Linus Olmark was already out due to injury. Enter Dustin Tokarski, mm-hmm. who had not seen time in the NHL in four and a half years. Sabres only get 19 shots. Rangers get 40. Rangers win 5-3. The Sabres losing streak is now at a, my God, 14 in a row. 14, which is a round number this NHL season. That represents exactly one-fourth, 25% of their season in which they have lost consecutively. And what more could go wrong for the Buffalo Sabres? And that didn't look good. That didn't look good with Carter Hutton. Had to be helped off the ice. It didn't look good at, uh, at all. And Linus Allmark, his injury is long-term. And now you're, you're really digging deep into, into depth as far as the goaltending position is concerned. And to your point, in Tukarski, somebody who hasn't played at the NHL level in, in more than four years, just not good for the Buffalo Sabres. And starting to feel bad for him. They're 14 in a row. I mean, we, we've, we've had some fun maybe at the, you know poking fun at these guys for for some of their struggles but golly they can't score they need goaltending i mean the defense is putrid it's it's one thing after another you hope uh you hope at least the goaltending here can can hopefully uh settle things and, and play itself out here if you're kevin adams you don't even know what fire to start putting out at this point in buffalo so the game last night rangers end up with a couple of points standings in a moment uh, new york islanders played last night they had philadelphia and the game-winning goal in overtime scored by Anthony Beauvillier. Minute and a half to go here in overtime. This is left alone there, and Pajot's able to skate into it. Pajot for Beauvillier, takes it around the net, he scores! Anthony Beauvillier with the wraparound to win it! Brendan Burke on the call. Oscar Lindblom actually scored the first goal of that game in the second period last night, so the Flyers had a 1-0 lead going to the third, and they can't hang on to it. So, Benny, they finally get some goaltending. They don't give up a whole lot. They just can't find a way to score, and they have to settle for one point in the race for them, even getting a little closer now. Not much offense, no surprise against the New York Islanders. They did have 37 shots, but the Islanders able to, to, to come away with the win. But for Philadelphia now, uh, that's two straight losses to the Islanders, and they only had one goal in each of the defeats. It was a blowout loss on Saturday, 6-1 loss, and then tonight, the uh, last night, the 2-1 overtime loss against the Isles. But yeah, the Isles, meanwhile, after uh, they had a skid last week, seems they're right in the ship once again with these two straight wins. They've now won 11 of 13. And lo and behold, as you jump into the standings, suddenly back ahead of the Capitals in the Mass Mutual East Division. Indeed, Islanders with 46. Capitals do have two games in hand now, but 44. The Caps two back. Pittsburgh sitting there in third with 40. Boston still idle with their own COVID issues at the moment, 36. Philadelphia with a point. Still on the outside looking in at 34. 
and the New York Rangers after beating Washington and now with a win last night against the Sabres at 32, the Rangers lurking. And Ben, as we said yesterday, I don't really think I want to see anything about the Rangers jumping up into that four spot the way things are going. So I hate to be thinking we're pulling for Philadelphia or Boston, but maybe we are. I think that might be safe advice, but the Capitals can help their own cause after two games against New Jersey coming up. Who's waiting on the other side of that again? Two more meetings with the Rangers. That's still uh, a week away or so starting next Sunday, just less than a week away, but a couple of games coming up uh, against the Rangers on the other side of the weekend, and maybe the Caps could do themselves a big favor in in taking care of those. Caps-Devils Thursday. Ben's pregame begins at 4 with Caps game day and our network coverage at 645. Uh, Benny, in the meantime, have a wonderful Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.